Before we begin today, I just wanted to acknowledge that Full Spirals is made possible through the generous support of our patrons. And I'm so grateful to all of you for subscribing and continuing to support the vital work of making creativity a force of healing and growing in our world and for helping to give healing a voice. Welcome to a very special Project I'm Speaking episode of Bull Spirals. Project I'm Speaking episodes are a series of interviews conducted with the intention of featuring brave and talented women who agreed to speak up about their creative process, about how they found their unique voices, and how they intend to use those gorgeous voices in the world now. Because we need this. All of us need this right now, more than ever. So enjoy this time and this unique voice while you take in this episode of Project I'm Speaking. I'm Stacy Parrish. last episode with Barbara McAfee, we learned that when you change your voice, your life comes along for the ride, and that it's never too late to give voice to what's inside of you. As you know, raising women's voices is our mission here with Project I'm Speaking. And in this episode, I ended up revealing an unscripted story about how in my 30s, saving my voice pretty much led to literally saving my life. Please savor this last episode with a vocal coach and midwife to voices, Barbara McAfee. All right. So welcome back, Barbara McAfee. Thank you so much, Stacey. I especially like that I had a week or so to digest everything that happened in our last episode. The five elements framework, the transformative power of discovering the different elements of your voice, especially the ones that you can reclaim, the ones you know are missing, the ones you didn't know were missing. And you said something at the end of the last interview about how the ones that challenge you the most or great on you the most are often the ones that are missing most from your own voice and from your own body and your own life. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, you may have it in your voice, but most, a lot of times you don't, but I'd like to say that they have the gifts, they have the best, greatest gifts for you. Oftentimes they are things that you have sort of exiled from your own voice. Like I can't be that loud, soft, light, tender, sweet, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And so if you've sort of exiled it from yourself, then when somebody shows up with it, it's like, no, mm. ugh, not that. I've already said no to that. So uh, just to review the five elements framework is this tool I cooked up to help set voices free in every aspect of our lives. But um, we have our dominant voices that we we like, and some of that is genetic. I sound like my relatives. We're mm -hmm. all really tall and we all have deep voices. But the, and there's regions, mm -hmm. language or language of origin, you know, for speaking 
second or third languages. And then you just layer on personal biography, things that mm-hmm. people said to you, cultural messages and all that. And it all just kind of plops on our voice. And we think our voice is like, how it is now is how it is. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's a little contortionist trying to arrange itself around all that. And I like unwinding the contortions and seeing what else is possible. Yeah. And that's been the most fascinating part about this journey with you is just how unconscious I am about my voice and about other people's voices. I I just, I find the whole thing fascinating. I sometimes say to people that what I I give people the secret decoder ring for voices, Mm. their own and other people's so that you can't think about it any in the same way again. There's a really neat thing that you do. You make the connection in your work between the body and the voice. And for many, if not most women, physical embodiment in and of itself can be a challenge. And that's why this work feels so important. Can you speak a little bit about what your experience is working with women? Yes. uh, Most everybody I work with has experience some kind of trauma because we all have. And if we haven't had that much, our mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and great-great-grandmothers did. Mm. So even if you've had, you know, a pretty okay go of it, we are still standing in front of a long line of suppressed women. And that shows up in the voice and the body. So being in the body has been such a radical return for me. I learned how to leave a lot, like a lot of us got the heck out of there. It was a stock to carry my brain around Mm -hmm. um, for a long time. And sometimes when I was doing sort of physical kinds of things, like a yoga or a movement or something that was fine, but there was something about moving and making sound at the same time that broke every possible rule because secrecy and silence was partly what my job was when I was a little girl. Hmm. And so to break out of the silence and the physical constriction at the same time was so liberating. And also it was fun. What's astonishing to me is how much healing is possible from playing, acting foolish, like laughing like hyenas, Mm -hmm. and then also singing um, songs I love full out without worrying if they're good or not and moving while I do. So I think there's something, it's an amplification of all of it to have voice and body and emotion and spirit all moving together really amplifies the capacity for healing. Yeah. I love what you just said, breaking out of silence and physical constriction. And that also pulls into it emotion and spirituality. Like that's Mm -hmm. Barbara, this is why I was so excited about your work because it's about the voice. Mm -hmm. And there was something that I realized this morning and I'm going to share it. I wasn't sure if I was going to share it, but this feels like the right moment. My voice is literally what saved me from a decade at least of bulimia. But um, so I worked in radio in my 30s and I was in the throes of purging and exercise bulimia and it hurt my throat. Yes. And I knew it was hurting my voice and I could feel it breaking down and tearing away my voice. And I knew that my voice was my meal ticket at that time. And it, but it wasn't just that there was also this connection to my voice as as I hold my throat while I talk. Yes. Yes. I see that. 
I've just always had a certain reverence for it. And I just knew that I needed to get help because I knew I couldn't afford to lose it. Thank you. And, and, you know, hearing your story and so many other stories about the confluence of the physical voice and the metaphorical voice, I call it Mm -hmm. the voice, the big, you know, the giving voice to what's inside of you, you know, all of the, the big V voice that's connected to our vocation and our advocacy. I mean, all the, all the Mm -hmm. words that go with voice, it's the confluence of the literal sound and all of the metaphorical sound or metaphorical connections to that, which is amazing. So if you shift any part of that, the rest of it shivers, it's all connected. And Mm. uh, I'm so glad you found your way out, saved your voice and a whole bunch of other parts of you. Thank you. And, and that's what this is about because I left radio not long after that. I, I said this in my first, our first episode together and I say it all the time, but I say it all the time because I think it bears repeating that yes, I, I lost it or I gave it up, but I took it back and now I just want other people to take it back. So there are some, now I'm getting excited. There are some fun, <laughs> really fun archetypes and characters that you use mm-hmm. to help people get there. One thing you said in our last interview is that you were, when you were searching your voice, you were a big raptor. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> that's just the coolest image. Yeah. So can you share some of the, some of the devices or characters or archetypes that you use to help people get there? Yeah. And I have a growing list of them. I have tons of them. So sometimes people go, ah, I don't like that one. It's like, oh, worry not. There's lots more, right? For for the earth voice, I think especially for women who are supposed to be nice and pretty and sweet and skinny and, mm-hmm. and not poop and pee and fart and be real and <laughs> have orgasms and whatever, fill in the right. blank, right? Or do it quietly, at least. Yes, if you're going to fart, least. do it quietly yes, exactly. and don't tell anyone. That's right. So I like to invite women into their primal cave woman (laughs) or bear, sometimes bear, crawl around on the floor, lay on the floor, get heavy, Mm. stomach hangout. And some other iconic women that I like to uh, call on is Maya Angelou. Right. To hear, to hear her read one of her poems. Yeah. Yes. She had this I, she's one of the people I think of a lot because I get excited and go fast. And if I just think of her, uh, my gravitas steps up. So I love just conjuring these identities. They could be real people or they could be sort of archetypal mm-hmm. energies. But I love calling in Dr. Angelou, another woman that is uh, really a classic Earth voice is B. Arthur from the Golden Girls. Oh, Dorothy. Right, Dorothy from the Golden Girls. Absolutely. She had that oh, deep man. voice. And I'm old enough to remember Mahalia Jackson, Odetta, folks, Odetta. Names, Tracy Chapman more, mm. more recently. So those Yum. are a few of Earth women. Mm. So Sing f- along to that, right? Yes. And that is a way, I, another way that I invite people is to take this exaggerated version of the sound and then find a song that maybe takes you there. One of the ones I use for Earth a lot is... Um, Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. You know, it's like you can't sing that and be spun out. Yeah. So uh, a couple characters for fire 
I, I like to think of fire as like, we probably all know somebody who's like an enthusiast, mm-hmm. just like, hey, oh, that's great. Oh, yes, yes. You know, and, and not like cheerleader in the in the like the ponytails and the whole kind of culture, right. way, but that like joyful, enthusiastic, exuberant. Richard uh, Simmons. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, all the Winnie the Pooh people, they align with these elements too. In terms of uh, real women, I, I like, like Bonnie Raitt, mm, James, like all the, like the rockers, Tina Turney. What's love got to do, got to do with it? You know, you can just feel that that's hot. So those are some examples of characters and women. Um, and a lot of women find this to be really challenging because we're supposed to be so small and quiet. And um, and I've actually had women, I say, what will happen to you if you get this loud? You know, people get really mm-hmm. nervous. And I have heard so many of us say, I will be killed. So we still remember the witch burning in our bones. Wow. And it's still happening. Iran, Afghanistan, murdered and missing indigenous women. I, I mean, it's just... What went through my head was I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people talk about calling the police, like somebody's going to call the police. So I think there is something about being bold and people think this is just angry and it can be, but it's also joyful. Mm. And so if we give up our anger, we give up our joy as well and our vitality. They're all connected. You spoke of when um, you had said uh, earth and fire were the more easier voices for you mm-hmm. and that air was more of a challenge for you. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that came from? Oh gosh, everywhere. Mm. I mean, first of all, I'm brunette, six, two smart from Minnesota. And I had a story that I could never, I actually wrote a song called I'll never be that girl. It is a, such a healing song for me, but it's like coming to terms with the fact that my father didn't see me at all as a woman, didn't like women. And then I didn't fit the norm in any way. None of us do, but I couldn't even, I didn't even have a shot at it. I was always like way too tall and way too smart. And and so I thought it would be like putting on a little frilly, pinky, fluffy, roughly something that would look mm. ridiculous on me. Mm-hmm. Like that, that didn't have anything to do with who I was. Yeah. And it does have a lot to do with who I am. But I was, I was uh, abused when I was really little. And so... I grew up quick and a lot of us get the hell out of childhood. Pretty much everybody gets the hell out of childhood as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And this air voice is the sound of the child. Hey, yeah. So to be that vulnerable and sweet and light, couldn't afford that. Made decisions at like five, six, seven, that that was not okay. So there was a cultural thing. There's my body. There was the particular circumstances of my family and it was ready to come back though. That was the good news. It came back. Yeah. Ah, but I digress. We haven't gotten through the other three yet. I'm sure I'm the one that derailed the conversation. Oh, it's all right. We jumped into (laughs) air, which is fine. It's a good place to be and I'll come back to it. So water, um, the, the, um, archetypes or characters there. I like to think of like a big mama. Mm. Oh, you know, and we know people, I hope we all know people like this, whose voices are like um, a salve to the soul, warm, welcoming, comforting, a lot of social workers, therapists, chaplains, 
have this kind of quality that is so warm and welcoming. And I think a real shortcut is just singing yourself a little lullaby, just making one up. This is where lullabies are sung, because otherwise the babies would never go to sleep. So one of the iconic women I love for this one, for exaggerating this one, is Julia Child. Um, sometimes the kind of more operatic sounding voices. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where women are given permission to sing classically. Ave Maria. That's how you're supposed to sound as a woman mm-hmm. in the classical tradition, which is beautiful. And what else you got? I, I always fell more into the Carol Burnett alto. Yeah. I've yeah. always been shy. <laughs> <laughs> and she used her voice all over the place. She had a gorgeous voice. Yeah. But she. Oh. Well, her Tarzan yell. Remember her Tarzan yes, yell? Yes, I do. <laughs> she was great. She was, she was great. absolutely great. She is great. She, she is, is great. great. She's great. She's a gracious and beautiful human being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the people, um, a, a popular singer that I like to reference is Nora Jones. Oh, love her. Waited till I saw the sun. Don't know why. That kind of smooth feeling. So, all right. So metal, um, we have the Wicked Witch of the West. I like her because she's exactly how we're not supposed to be. And it also feels like we're poking a sharp stick in the eye of the fear of women because so much of the witch burnings back in the dark ages, but even on this continent, I had, I had a relative who was part of the witch trials as a magistrate. I discovered in ancestry. Wow. So I feel like it's my job to set women's voices free. (laughs) Set them free, baby. Yeah. So, um, we also have Fran Drescher, Edith Bunker, right? Yeah. And you said metal, it's called metal because it cuts through. Mm-hmm. And you, it, people can't see you, but you keep referencing the mask between mm-hmm. your eyes and your nose. That's right. where that voice is sourced, which is what keeps it from being a strain on the vocal cords. Correct. Correct. Amplification. Yes, amplification. And I, um, Hillary Clinton has a lot of fire and metal. And she worked a lot on her voice between her two campaigns. But it makes such sense that she... Um, had fire and metal just based on who she is. She has mm-hmm. a very sharp mind. Um, and she was trained as an attorney. And in a courtroom, you don't have a microphone. And you have to project loud enough that the deafest juror can hear you. Correct? Yeah. So mm-hmm. she, um, she had a lot. And then she's passionate. So she had a lot of fire and metal, which was dangerous for her because she, already she was a woman. And we can't do that. Um, but people kept saying, oh, I don't know. I just don't like her. I just don't like her. And I think some of that has to do with that incisive part of her voice and the super sensitive microphones. Um, you know, like if you cultivate a voice for being projecting in a, a large room and you put a, a sensitive microphone up into that, it's going to be really bright. And mm-hmm. ironically, Bill, earth and air. Totally air. Yeah. <laughs> And he had terrible vocal problems as a think about how much a, a president talks in a day. His yeah. voice was shredded. He had all kind of vocal problems. And because earth and air is not sustainable. I mean, if you're just talking like this all the time, you're using tons of air and you're not getting much sound. Mm-hmm. It doesn't project at all. It's sexy, as we know, but it would have been nice if they could have done a little balance transfer. 
He could have yeah. used a little of her fire and metal. She could have used a little of his earth and air. And I feel like there's a certain societal thing that that irks me about that too. Yeah. That people aren't even willing to listen to her ideas because her sound is different. Same with Elizabeth Warren. Oh my gosh, don't get me started on Elizabeth Warren. Exactly. She's fire and metal. She got she got rah, rah, she's a warrior. She's Joan of Arc, you know, she's on her seat and she's galloping and she's got mm-hmm. her sword out and it's bright and shiny and loud and you cannot ignore it. And what people had to say about that was she's not electable. I know. Ugh. Okay, so back to air. Crown of the head is that's where it's sourced. And a sigh is a really quick way to get there. A sigh of pleasure. I forget that pleasure is an option most of the time. (sighs) The intention of pleasure creates pleasure. Radical for women to feel pleasure. Just saying. Some iconic people. I like to think of like all the dreamy singers like Enya. All all of that dreamy, Irishy kind of singing. Mm -hmm. There was a jazz singer a long time ago called Blossom Deary. She had this high, sweet voice. And Joni Mitchell, when she was really young. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone. You know, it's not even in a body. It's like out, out. Marilyn Monroe, of course. But you can bet that Norma Jean didn't talk like that. Right. And a lot of women conflate the air voice with that, with the air head, with the sexy, you know, acting stupid when you're not. Yeah. It's the dreamy. It's the connection to spirit. Ah, You know, spirit is about respiration. It's the same Latin root. And, um, and like the Brazilian singers sing here. You know, that is like, oh, that feels so good. Yeah. You just made me think of Sade. Do you remember yes. Sade from the 80s? Yes, I love Sade. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. She got a whole bunch of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. Very airy. Yeah. So air is full of of goodness and boy the healing i even moved differently and dressed differently when my after my air came back i felt like i could inhabit the divine feminine in a different way god got more whole when i found my air voice it opened the top of my head in a way and i found this angelic realm i had to cry a lot on the way there Yeah, you, yeah, I'm really struck by when you referred to it as you said, when this voice came home, air. Can you tell me about the process of how you got there? Yeah, yeah. Who took you there, how you got there, where the tears came from, and why they disappeared? The beginning, the, the kind of blowing the doors off was when I, you know, I was a raptor, and I sang way up high. Mm-hmm. That was like, oh, there's this whole other realm up there that I didn't think was mine because my voice stopped here cold and there was nothing beyond that. Mm -hmm. And so that was the truth. And so to blow that truth apart was the first step. A lot of it was with my teachers, you know, from the Roy Hart center who were inviting me into places in my voice that were, um, I remember one of them, Richard Armstrong, was saying, there's a lot of things you're already very good at. You don't need to rehearse those. Mm. So we're going to go find the things that are lost and bring them back. And so they would take me on these voyages uh, through my voice where I remember singing 
one time with one of my other teachers, Shao Ryan, uh, my heart, and I was using, I was using a British accent, my heart, and I I got teary and a little choked up, and then my voice broke, it like cracked, wow, and it cracked into a an a fifth. So I was like singing a duet with my own heart, and it, my emotion had to be a part of it. That. I've never been able to do that again, but I'll never forget. Like I was singing two notes at one time and I could, I could move them very carefully. I could, you know, move up Mm -hmm. and down. A lot of it came through, uh, writing songs that asked me to go there. You know, one of the first, the first, the very first song I wrote, is called Promise, and it is in the voice of the Divine Feminine. And the song, it's very Irishy. It needs to be sung with an ear voice. So I kind of cornered myself. Like I, I wrote a song, and then I had to sing it like that. I am as near and deep in you as the air you breathe. That would not work. I am as near as the song is not liking it. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of um, a lot of things. A lot of I came at it from many many angles, but usually the tears, Stacy, were about a, an interesting mix of grief and relief. You know, grief for not feeling seen as a girl, not having it be okay that I was female being teased and bullied and all those things. Um, but also just tears of relief that it waited for me. That oh. I was still alive and that faithfulness. Oh, so good. Mm. What's going through my head is welcome home. Welcome exactly. home. Welcome exactly. home. Exactly. Exactly. Welcome home. So you do this work. Uh, yeah, I do this work individually. And then I have what I call full voice fundamentals classes. Uh, They're five week little adventures through the five elements with some fun assignments in between. And usually there are people from around the world or at least all over North America, depending on what time of day that the class is. And um, I have one starting up at the end of March again. And um, I just do them pretty regularly. And then I'm also training people to do my work because there are so many voices that need liberating. Yeah. And they bring all kinds of incredible gifts to the work, which I find so invigorating to learn their perspectives as trauma therapists or consultants or teachers, Mm -hmm. singers, song leaders. I plan on taking the fundamentals at the end of March. If if there are other folks that want to join in to that one. I will, I'll put the link to your website in the show notes, which is what I've done for the last two episodes. But do you want to just spell it out loud in case somebody wants to jot it down? Sure. It's Barbara McAfee, M-C-A-F as in Frank, E-E.com. I love talking to people. So if you've got stories or questions or comments or anything, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. I'm so sad that we're done. I know, but at least we get to be in that class together. That's yeah. true. Can I sing you a song? I would love if we finished with a song. Okay. I'm going to sing, because this is like, if I was going to say what the 
crux of my mission on this planet is it would be captured in this song. Mm. Um, the words are by the great Sufi mystic Hafiz as interpreted by Daniel Ladinsky. And the tune is mine. And I actually wrote it inspired by my beloved nephew who was really having a hard time. He's doing great now, but I just felt helpless. I didn't know what to do for him. And so I wrote the song once when he was in the room with me at a workshop with my voice teacher. And then whenever I thought of him or wanted to send him some energy, some love, it was like my prayer for, for him. And this we'll, is my wish for all y'all. We'll take it. Stacey. Here we go. Thank you so much for being here. I will tack that on the end so that folks can listen. Stay tuned after the credits of today's show to hear Barbara's recording of the song she just played. But now it's time for some spinner shout outs. We've got some new spinners this month, and I want to extend my thanks to Shannon, Shana, Beth, John and Candace. Thanks so much for helping to make this work possible. And thanks again to Anonymous and Brianne for your contributions as spinner producers. Are you a spinner? If not, you can support Full Spirals as a patron and receive peeks behind the scenes, exclusive monthly Lunar Revolution episodes, and of course, a spinner shout out. So just go to fullspirals.com and click the Patreon tab. Join us and come Full Spiral. Spirals is produced by Boom Arts in Appleton, Wisconsin. Theme music by Helen Avakian. Production assistance by Jeff Ryan. Please remember to subscribe and review Full Spirals on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite listening platform. Till next time, take care. show you I wish that I
Show you. 